When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. It's questions from the audience day. Welcome in to the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Tim McKernan. Thank you for tuning in. Ideally, subscribing to the podcast, a podcast that brings you, at this point now, with what, what I'm doing with Dan McLaughlin, we might be looking at five, six, seven podcasts this week. Just keep growing. It's a good thing. Uh, we have an interview for you every week. This week's guest is uh, Sixth Ward Older Woman. Christine Ingracia. Next week's guest is Gabe DeArmond. Might make that a two-parter because we went like an hour and 40 minutes. That could be two-part potential there, Gangster Pete. Uh, and part of it was kind of Missouri fan-centric, and then part of it was an, analyzing the St. Louis-Kansas City thing. And then uh, my rapport with the Colonel, which goes back to us both being in the University of Missouri Journalism School. He was the producer for my first sports cast, which uh, led to the general manager of the station saying, uh, never do that crap again on my station. So uh, a lot to get to in that one. And uh, and then we have the Pick 6 podcast. And the Pick 6 podcast uh, was Gangster Pete's idea, at least the refurbished version. And even if you're not a gambler, and I wonder how many, uh, Gangster Pete, I like calling you in on these things. Of the, I don't know what we're getting. I think we're like, uh, whatever we're getting, we've, we've seen a 25% increase in the downloads here. Um, of the, let's say, I don't even know what number, let's just make it a round number. Well, I don't know. I don't know what number to use. Cause then people go, Oh, you mean the number? Let's say 10,000 people listen to the Tim McKernan show of the 10,000. How many do you think bet on sports at least once a month? What do you think? I'd bet like, 25 percent oh i'd take the over on that would you i think i'd, I'd think it's about 40 percent in the 40 to 50 percent range and i could be I, wrong i just think it. about my group of friends and they're all into sports and everything but i had to say only they don't about bet? a quarter of them bet really regularly. is that right yeah. maybe i'm overshooting it um but here's my point everybody should be listening to the pick six podcast because it's like having a stock tip with a with a broker who's on a heater uh my guy the weatherman is one thirty-five? Is it thirty-five and eleven? Thirty-four and eleven? I think seventy-five percent since week Se- eight. Seventy-five point five percent. I got people that aren't gamblers that are taking his picks. That's the play. That's the thing. And here's the thing: I'll kind of fumble fuck around with other games, and then I'll go, "Why am I? Not, why am I even messing with it? I'll just bet the weatherman stuff." The guy's on a heater. Uh, so the Pick Six podcast we release on Thursdays. And I'm telling you, even if you're not into gambling, just like whatever is something that you can go, you know what, if I lose it, I lose it. I don't really care and bet like 25 bucks or if you can ball so hard and bet 100 or 500 or 1,000. I don't know. Listen, it's, 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 everybody's got their different things. I have no idea. Um, bet it because the guy has won 75.5%. Now, what I would tell you and what he is also telling me is there's going to be a regression. But, I mean, it's... It's insane. This past uh, weekend, the three picks were the Army-Navy under, shipped, never even a sweat. The Colts plus five at Houston. The Colts won straight up. And then the Raiders plus ten and a half against the Steelers. And the Raiders won straight up. Three and oh this past weekend. Four and two the previous weekend. Five and one the weekend before that. 
three and three the weekend before that, and six and zero oh the week before that. Then a three and three, a five and one, a five and one, and that takes you back to week two. So that's what we've been doing. Or week eight, excuse me. That's what takes you uh, to the, about the seventy-five point five percent against the spread. So, like I said. I loved Gangster Pete's idea on the pick six where it wouldn't just be me and producer Joe picking games that we don't really care about. We're picking games that we're interested in, which is why with a limited uh, slate this past weekend on college football, we only picked three. But we'll be back to six this week as bowl season gets underway, plus the NFL. Uh, And then Joe likes to pick soccer games, and I usually roll with him on that, but that hasn't been going as great as lately. Either way, that's the Tim McKernan Show. That's what we do. And then now you also get Dan McLaughlin and I doing the Hot Stove Show. Uh, which is a Facebook Live and a Twitter podcast that we that you can watch, uh, and that's presented by Mattress Direct. And all of our spring training uh, coverage will also be presented by Mattress Direct. And this uh, this uh, hot stove show winter meetings week is presented by Budweiser. And so we're doing a show every day during the winter meetings, and we have another one um, for you anytime you want to listen. It's a good discussion, and Dan really. You know, I, he does, he goes into places that I think a lot of people go, oh, he's a guy who's calling the Cardinal games. I'm surprised he would say this. So it's it's pretty good stuff. Um, and people really seem to be getting on board with that as well. So you can listen to that here too. So spread the word around. It's cool to see what's happening with it. I love doing this stuff, and I'm glad that there there's some people listening. So with all that said, if, if even if we had a billion people listening, uh, if we didn't have sponsors, we wouldn't have a podcast. Now, that wouldn't really speak well to my sales ability if we had, uh, you know, 18, 20% of the world listening, and I couldn't sell it. But the point is the sponsors make the program. Now, some people said, why don't you do a Patreon thing? And I don't know. Maybe I had Larry Nichols try to do one, and it didn't take. So maybe it's not the right model. But then also you might say maybe Larry Nichols let write the run, run, run the right offense. I don't know. But I know this, uh, that Ryan Kelly, before I even started this thing, October 1st, 2017, with a hour and 40-minute interview with Gary Pinkle, Ryan Kelly was on board. And I've been on board with Ryan Kelly it's, it's all these sponsors who are on the show. It's very easy to uh, endorse them because I know them, and it's not like I'm reading copy for them. I, I wouldn't get in a spot, especially on something that is mine, where I'm like, oh, man, this guy wants, this guy's willing to spend, take whatever pick dollar amount that you would consider to be you know substantial. But now I'm getting on board with somebody who I kind of know is a shitbag or I know his product's kind of you know questionable. I don't want to have to do that. So Ryan... Ryan didn't even give me a script. I can just tell you, you know, my sister bought my condo from me last year or two years ago. She said, okay, I got to go get, get this worked out. I go, no, no, you don't. Ryan, Ryan's the person. And it was as smooth as can be. Uh, I can't recommend him enough. He's going to save you money on a refi. And he is the person to go to for ease when it comes to purchasing a home. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, one of the things I've done on questions from the audience, I think more so than uh, I initially planned, is just using the TMA fan page, which is great, and you should be a member of the TMA fan page. Um, but uh, I got a bunch of questions on emails that I haven't gone through, um, and so I want to make sure I get through them all uh, because... Uh, people send these emails in and then I wind up focusing on the fan page and then I don't get to my email until I'm like 40 minutes in. I'm like, oh, we're running out of time. I'll save the emails and then I never get to the email. So I'm starting in the emails today. And I like this one here because I think it'll give some perspective to a topic that we had on questions from the audience two weeks ago. And it was uh, a comment that seemed to have resonated with people Um, and I thought it was going to lead to some hate mail, but it 
it got a lot of compliments, which wasn't what I was expecting. And the, the overall observation, first off, I would just recommend going back to listening to the episode. It was two weeks ago, questions from the audience, but that, uh, in St. Louis, my feeling is that for whatever reason, I don't have a reason, and it's strictly intuitive, so it's not it's not data-based. I don't know what the data would be anyway, that oftentimes, for whatever reason, success, and to be more specific, the pursuit of success is kind of frowned upon. And I know... For young people, and I know that that and that for young people is an important prepositional phrase in this conversation that is really a monologue. And and so the basis for it is a variety of different angles. Um, and and I said, I don't know why it exists. I do believe it exists. But again, it's like an abstract thing that it, that is not. You know, there's not like, here's how it's viewed in Chicago and here's how it's viewed in New York and here's how it's viewed in Kansas City. Here's how it's viewed in Indianapolis and here's how it compares in St. Louis. It's not like there's data on this. How would there be data? It's abstract. But it's just, it's, you know, I realize Chicago is the third largest market in the country and therefore the sample size is larger. There are many more dollars in Chicago and therefore there are going to be more dollars for young people, especially oftentimes college graduates, uh, you know, who may have a graduate degree, MBA, you know, some esteemed law school, take your pick, whatever, Ivy League, and they want to live in Chicago in their 20s, enjoy being single, making money into their 30s, not have kids, maybe they'll marry. A lot of times I feel like one of the playbooks uh, is, you know, you go to the University of Missouri, you graduate, you go to Chicago, you spend your 20s there, then you go, okay, now I'm coming back to St. Louis, and then will uh, either bring the girl you met in Chicago back to St. Louis or marry the girl that you used to hang out with in your teens or 20s and then stay in St. Louis the rest of your life. And Godspeed, I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying this is something that I think I, I would imagine almost everyone who is listening to this podcast can go, yes, I know of at least one person who would fit that. And any listen, man, I lived in Little Rock for nine months, Little Rock, and then St. Louis. So I never did it. And if anything, I go, I wish I would have done it. I don't know if I would have been Chicago, but either way. But my overall premise is when we have these St. Louis-centric discussions regarding the state of the city, so to speak, is that I feel like the youth of the area, and I'm defining youth as people in their 20s, even though that's not necessarily fair, but that's what, that's what I'm talking about. So people in their 20s um, are either uh, small as far as single professionals in their 20s relative to other cities of the size of the region of St. Louis, uh, or you don't see as many people uh, in their 20s in St. Louis. There's not like that that population that you have in many other markets. And I would say, well, Chicago, you're talking about apples and oranges, and I would agree with you, but I think it exists now in Kansas City, um, which is, by definition, a smaller city than St. Louis. So I wondered about that. I wondered aloud about it. Um, you know, uh, I had somebody I, I work with who got a nice car here recently. And this person said, and I don't even know how we got on the topic. And I said, isn't it weird? And I was talking with a guy who started up a business uh, and has done well. And I said, isn't it odd that you almost feel like around here with some people, of course, it's not everybody, but you almost have to like 
apologize or do a preemptive strike if, you know, you're driving a nice car or something along those lines. It's like, you know, now it's one thing if you're driving a car and you can't afford it and you're doing it for the purpose of, you know, trying for a status symbol. You know, like some people say with the private school thing in St. Louis. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you go to this school when you're living in that district? Don't you want to be able to say your kid goes to a private school? I don't know. I haven't crossed that bridge. I certainly know I wouldn't give a shit. Couldn't care any less. But that's there's a difference there. But if you've done well, so, you know, like like the reason, like people have asked me, uh, and I think it was on the fan page is one of the questions. Like, where is this thing that we've been recently joking about, the unrelatable thing? Um, that there was a, a complaint that I have become unrelatable. And I'm going, how in the hell is that possible? Um, but, I mean, you can't control it. It's a feeling, you know. So I, it's not like I can control it. Uh, and I don't know. I'll tell you this. The the newspaper article, I guess two and a half, three years ago, that supposedly, and I say supposedly because I know that it didn't accurately reflect my contract and then it went into detail with what my contract was uh and again it said i bought into kfns and that just was factually inaccurate and there are other elements of it that just were not accurate but whatever it doesn't matter now that there was some resentment in our industry i know that uh i would imagine there's resentment uh from others and then it, and, and i'm like yeah that's that's not my income first off I, I, my income is from a variety of different places not just radio uh, Inside STL is a separate company. Uh, the company I have with Dan McLaughlin is a separate company. And then third, it, it's not, ac- I mean, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm going, it's not accurate. But now there are people, oh, he doesn't deserve that. Or how about that? He makes that, you know, fuck him. He makes that. Or wow, I thought he would have made more than that, whatever it is. And then it becomes a thing, especially in kind of a big, small town like St. Louis or a small, big town, whatever you want to call it. And so then I experienced it, even though I was about to turn 40 when that happened. And it was a game changer. It's a brutal thing. It's a brutal thing. Brutal thing. It's, it's, it's like the antithesis of the way I operate is to have that stuff be public in general. Even if it weren't me, if it would have been one of my coworkers, it would have been the same thing. Uh, and I'm talking about when I was the one signing the paycheck, so I would have known the dollars. Um, so there's that, but I have observed this for a long time well before that. It's just I experienced it kind of firsthand. And again, as somebody who's about to turn 40, I wouldn't put myself in that category. I'm focused on 20s. So when I talked about this, um, you know, uh, two episodes ago, uh, it got a lot of response. And I thought it was going to get some hate, but I guess it, it actually resonated with some people. And here is one of the emails. Hey, Tim, just got done listening to this podcast and I enjoyed the second portion about young folks, especially in the St. Louis area, shitting on people with ambition and success. I'm 29, so I guess I can still consider myself one of those young people. I think you're halfway right in that thinking, but I wouldn't necessarily consider it a St. Louis problem. I think it's across the board in almost any city, exceptions being the New Yorks and Chicago's of the world where status is held in higher regard for anyone in their 20s to have this attitude. I only say this because I lived in Ohio for four years for school and saw it there. Granted, college is college and not the real world, but I also lived in South Jersey slash Philly for three years for my first job out of school, and it was pretty prevalent there as well. I strongly dislike when people categorize a group of people by their generation, but it's the only way I can clearly make my point. I think this negative attitude to success has more to do with my age demographic and generation, not to come off as some radical right-wing get-a-job guy. 
The reasons behind it, there are multiple, I'm sure, and most of them I would see as a cop-out, but some are real and warranted. The world seems to be progressing every day, but I doubt a majority of people in their 20s believe they will have a better life than their parents. And to this point, I believe we are trying to redefine the idea of success, i.e. traveling more instead of investing and buying a house. Uh, This may have something to do with the instant gratification needs of today, or some things seem more obtainable, so they become the focus. So to come to a coherent conclusion on this, I believe the belittling of people with ambition has in some part to do with how young generations view success. I feel that they see those people as a threat to the, quote, new idea of success in a way. But all in all, like Pete said, it's definitely a coping mechanism for people that are unsure of themselves and not okay with it. I used to have similar feelings myself, and then I grew up and stopped caring as much. Thank you. Uh, and that comes from Jim. I really liked that email. Gangster Pete, what do you think of that email? I'm going to you more and more often now. Uh, I think it was good. I agree with a lot of what a he said. A lot of meta. All a right. lot of psychological analysis I, of a generation. I think something he said at the end is kind of where I fit in, is he said as he's got older, he doesn't really let that stuff bother him anymore. And that's just how I am. Like, somebody's like that. Forget him. We talked about it. Right. No, I, I, get, I get that. And, I mean, when it gets down to it, I don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how much I really like any of the stuff that we talk about in the podcast actually affects me, but for the purpose of discussion. And then also I do think it can impact the region if you don't have, um, if, if ambition isn't celebrated. And there's a, you know, and there's, a, I guess, the, the proverbial cliche cop out is there's a fine line um, on ambition and then being a douchebag, you know. But I thought the second to last paragraph was most interesting, not because I disregard what you said earlier. It's just we had talked about what you had said. That's why he made reference to I agree with Pete. But the reasons behind it, there are multiple, I'm sure, and most of them I would see as a cop-up, but some are real and warranted. The world seems to be progressing every day, but I doubt a majority of people in their 20s believe they will have a better life than their parents. And at this point, I believe we are trying to redefine the idea of success, i.e. traveling more instead of investing and buying a house, this may have something to do with the instant gratification needs of today or some things seem more attainable, so they become the focus. I had never thought about that. First off, regarding a majority, I doubt, he said, I doubt a majority of people in their 20s believe they will have a better life than their parents. Is that, I realize you're in your 30s, but do you think that's accurate? I mean, I think that's kind of a case-to-case thing. I don't think... I don't think as a well, group, I know, but I mean, I he said as a like majority, that. so therefore he's saying if you, if you label people in their twenties, I assume you're talking about Americans. I, I that that would surprise me. If that yeah, was that the would case. surprise me too. Okay, so I, I don't just I don't just accept that as a fact. But if it were a fact, then I could then build off of that premise. But just for the sake of it, I'll build off of it, and that would be interesting if that's the case. I do agree with the idea of, um, and I don't. I guess I guess you could call it instant gratification you know, traveling more, um, doing some things that certainly parents wouldn't have done 20 years ago. Part of me wonders on that, on the way you were raised. And by that, I'm not talking about like the way you were raised the right way and you were raised, not at all. I think like I can speak to my parents' parents and specifically, I know my dad's parents, uh, just because I know my dad would talk about it. Um, you know, grew up in the, in the depression, and so when you have that as a part of your life that I would imagine, unless we have a 90-year-old listener on the podcast, which would be wonderful if we did, uh, everyone listening to this didn't experience that. So unless 
you experience that or you have parents who it was a material part of their lives because it was something that they were reminded about constantly by their parents, you get further and further away from that. And the idea that, oh, everything is going to wind up being okay, even though 2008 was a scare, I don't know how much it really substantially altered uh, the people listening to this podcast's lives. So with that all established, I mean, I got hit. I can tell you firsthand, I got hit. I bought a, a home, a uh, new home in, when we close, December of 2007, and uh, sold it in 2009 and took, uh, oh, God, what's the math? It's more than 10%, uh, probably in the 15 to 18% range loss on it. So, um, and had we bought that exact same house in 2015 and had it sitting there now, obviously we wouldn't be, uh, have dealt with a 15 to 18% loss. Um, so, you know, you know, what, what happened in September of 2008 and then what happened with the real estate market, somewhat related, certainly, but, uh, before September, 2008, it was already the housing market. The bottom was falling out. Point being, once you have that happen, I talk about it with Mark Hanna, one of the sponsors here on the podcast. Uh, it certainly makes you more conscious of it. Uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, that is, online at evergreenstl.com. And so here's where I am on it. Even though I would be uh, anywhere from 22 years older to uh, 13 years older than anybody who has a two in front of their age right now. And I know I've said this a couple of times on this podcast, on the questions from the audience part of it. And, and maybe it explains where I'm coming from better than, you know, just looking at it from the outside, looking in. And so when you hear somebody go, well, fuck him, maybe you would go, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but here's the thought process behind it. So for me, you know, I, re I remember when my dad turned 40 um, and I just remember thinking, God, that is just so old and holy shit, you know. And then I turned 40 and I'm like, man, it does not feel that long ago that I was hanging out in Columbia, getting shit faced on six of seven nights, so much so that I put on weight. I mean, not like aggressive weight, but certainly, you know, the body fat percentage was probably gross uh, because I was drinking six or seven nights, sleeping until noon. And then I'd anchor sports casts. I was making no money, but I was having a great time. And uh, in September of 2018, it will have been 20 years since I anchored my first sports cast that I made reference to with Gabe Diarman because Devin West ran for, I think he said, 314 yards in the game that I, I anchored that sports cast against uh, Kansas. And so you go, my God, that was 20 years ago. I mean, that was half my life ago. And so you go, this shit's going quickly. And somebody, if they would have said that to me when, like, at my graduation speech, and I did attend the graduation ceremony at the University of Missouri, even though I still had eight hours left, which is really, really weird, but it's a true story uh, because the intent was to get the final eight hours. Um, if somebody would have said, hey, listen, enjoy this time because it's going to go really, really quick. You can say that, right? You can say that then. It, and it, it goes in one ear out the other. But then you experience it, and it's not that I feel like it necessarily went really quick. It's like, okay. You know, you, you become aware of it. And I also think having a child uh, plays a role in that because then you become more aware of uh, your mortality, I suppose. Um, I don't suppose. That is my experience. And so then 
for me, which would certainly be different than somebody in their 20s, but I'm arriving at the same place as what this person is saying, people in their 20s. Then you go, well, I want to enjoy things more now while I know that I can. Again, within the realm of responsibility. So when I'm looking at doing certain things, such as, uh, you know, living in Florida for three months, which we might do, unfortunately, it's still a coin flip. Yeah, Pete, since we last talked yesterday, it's actually changed once again. It's, ama- it's an amazing thing. Uh, but either way, um, that that I go, you know, I mean, first off, my son will be in school in a couple of years, so it'll probably take it off the table. Uh, and then second, you know, I mean, who knows what the situation will be? This happens to coincide with my job because that's where the Cardinals play. It's not like I'm going, you know, I'm going to go live on an island for three months. I can do the show. It actually helps because it's where the Cardinals are playing. And then I can do my thing with Dan McLaughlin, who's down there. I can do podcast interviews with Cardinals and Cardinal executives. And, you know, there's some fascinating cats who live in the uh, South Florida area and ideally do interviews with them. And also, you know, I just for me personally, the, the winter, I just hate it. I've hated it, you know, back to when I was like eight years old. So then you go, okay, you know, there's certainly cost associated with it, but then it just always gets down to the same thing. Is the juice worth the squeeze? And so to take it back to the discussion regarding ambition, so they were like people, apparently, this hasn't been told to me directly, um, who are turned off by the fact that I am going to be, or hoping to be, and it might not happen for reasons beyond my control, but whatever, either way, the goal is to live in Florida during spring training and for the month leading in. And why the month leading in? Because you can't get a place down there for two months. People rent them for three months. It's not something I've learned, but whatever, that's the way that it is. And so fine. So for two months, I'm down there and ideally I'm playing the Cardinal fantasy camp in, uh, in January. And it'll be great because my wife's parents live with us. My parents live with us and we have our one year old and you know, we're just very happy. The thing that I'm aware of, and I wasn't aware of it, first off, I don't talk about it all that often, but because this is the discussion today, uh, is that for some people, they are offended by that. And then you go, wow, why? That's so sad. Because it'd be one thing if I'm like, yeah, I make this much money, and then therefore I can do this, and you can't do this. I'm aware of the the way that it kind of works around here or in general outside of St. Louis, but even certainly more St. Louis, that something that could be perceived as, well, you can do this and I can't do this, that you can't talk about it. But I'm not talking about it in a brag way. I think it'd be disingenuous if I acted like I'm in studio with everybody when I'm not. And I think it'd be disingenuous if I were to say, yeah, uh, I'm going to be doing all these interviews with XYZ and I realize they sound like I'm right next to them, but no, I'm actually over the phone in St. Louis and have to act like I'm not there. I just don't get it. It's just part of my life. My life is, uh, you know, all of our lives, I guess, are, are part of the show show topic, you know, within the realm of whatever parameters everybody is comfortable with and or their families and so on and so forth. But for the most part, it's out there. So, you know, again, this, it's not like this was like some groundswell of thing. I mean, you're talking about like, you know, um, you know, I mean, like we're talking about two people actually, um, and not even directly to me, they got back to me. But even before that, I have said that it's an odd thing. Like I would encourage people, like if anybody ever, anybody and people have left inside STL, of course they have. And, uh, and I'm never like, fuck you ever. 
ever. If they're leaving for a better opportunity, I mean, of course I have the right to match. Sometimes I just can't. And they're bettering their lives and it's what they want to do. God bless them. What a what a prick I would be to like shit on them or something along those lines if they were to uh, feel like they couldn't come and say, listen, I've been offered this and it's a 50% pay pay increase and it's really something I want to do. I need that money, whatever they can. You don't even need to give a reason. Good. You know, now I guess because our, our jobs are in a very limited sense in the public eye, then people go, ooh, so-and-so is leaving, or oh, I wonder what's going on. And sometimes it's just as simple as, yeah, this person, you know, has grown tired of this part of it and can make more money here, just wants to change, and then you go, God bless America. I want people to be happy. That's the overall overriding uh, theme here. So it's an odd thing. I certainly don't think it's excluded to St. Louis. And, and if I represented it that way, then I did a poor job of stating it. But I do think it's more prevalent in St. Louis than if you're comparing it to other places. Again, it's not fair because I don't have data to back that up. I just feel like it's the case. And I feel like one of the things that would be great for St. Louis if you had a new, younger generation of people emerging uh, as, uh, as leaders, just in general, so that's the one that that that's the that's the theme um, that I think ambition should be celebrated, and I appreciate that email. I think that was a, a really good uh, email. I, 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 it was a, a thought provoking email, so I really liked that. Um, so I appreciate that. I thought it was really uh, well done, and I welcome people to uh, email in anytime. T McKernan at InsideSTL.com because uh, I really thought that was a uh, a good one. Uh, James Carlton is one of the great sponsors here of this podcast. He is online at carltoninsurance.net. I'm actually having lunch with him in about an hour and 20 minutes, and I look forward to that. Uh, and we're actually talking about my insurance. We're not talking about his sponsorship of the podcast uh, because I switched to James Carlton, and I did, and I'm so happy that I did. So happy that I did. I would bet you, it's kind of like when I talk about Mark Hanum, it's like, I'm betting you, if you give him a call, you're going to be happy you did, and you don't know how good you could have it uh, until you get with James Carlton, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Uh, whether it be life insurance, home insurance, auto insurance, it does not matter. carltoninsurance.net, James Carlton, 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Hey, Tim, in one of the recent sodes, you said you haven't gotten many of the fuck you, I'm not answering that kind of questions. So this might fall into that category. Good. I want this. I'm encouraging. Ask a question that you think I won't answer. And there's a good chance I won't answer it, but you got to shoot to score. So I'm, I like to see this. If so, then fine. I will understand. With all the talk on Iggy's number of a few hundred to several hundred sexual conquests, I was wondering, what's your number, sir? Thanks. I enjoy the show and the podcast. I'm really digging the new hot stove show that you're doing with Danny Mac. Thanks. That comes from Chris. Chris, good for you for asking. Um, I'm not going to give you a number. The honest answer is I don't know the number, but I also would tell you this. The number is infinitely lower than Iggy's, uh, and that is because almost every year since 1995, seriously, which is now that I am actually vocalizing it, it's cringeworthy, but it's the truth. Almost every year since 1995, I have been in a relationship. And so therefore the number is, uh, is, is low. 
Now, I have been hashtag blessed to have some excursions uh, that would feature uh, multiple friends of the feather involved at one time. I would like to encourage those for everyone if you can get your partner on board. Um, and uh, so, therefore, it's, it's, it's slightly different, but I have been in a relationship uh, like for, for real. Actually, I think I might be able to say every single year since 1995. Yep, that is true. Uh, and I have been with uh, my wife for a decade now. And uh, so, you know, I just never, and I, and I don't know what that's about. I'm sure there'd be a great, like, I'm sure if somebody like, like Buck Swope, I always feel like Buck Swope needs to be the Chuck Todd and come here and moderate. I'm sorry, Chris Wallace. Can't pander to one side or the other. Uh, so either Chuck, Chuck Todd or Chris Wallace will do. And I watch them both on Sunday mornings. So Buck Swope comes in and then we can psychoanalyze me and Iggy and figure out why he uh, never wanted to be in a relationship. And I have done nothing but be in relationships uh, since 1995. And I don't have the answer to that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I can, I can take it one way and say that I personally would find the dating process and, and, and I'm thinking of dating process like pre-apps. Uh, so whatever it is now, Tinder, Bumble that people are using, uh, you know, I, I mean, I just, I just was never, I think of all of the people, um, I just, I was not, I'm going to walk up to somebody at a bar and make a move. Just didn't do that. I don't think I have ever done that even in occasional one night stand situations. So, uh, the number is, is low. I would even venture to guess that the number is possibly the lowest on TMA. Um, but at the same time, I have absolutely no clue what anybody else's number is outside of uh, what Iggy says his number is. I would also bet this, that Iggy does have the highest number. I would, I would I bet the roll on that. But I think I'm in play for the lowest number. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, I've been in relationships uh, every, it, 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 yeah, I, I thought maybe there were a couple off years in there, but nope, it's, it's every year since 1995. Now I'm happy. Um, and, uh, now I don't know if the, the women I was with were happy, but I know I'm happy, but that, that that's, that's my personality, you know? So I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Um, you know, it, it's certainly, uh, in a case, uh, that for me, that's what I like. But then you hear Iggy talk about his number and he's just like, yeah, I have zero interest. Even if I found somebody else, I don't want to find anybody. I wanted to sit on my couch, cook and go to bed and then get up and go to work. That's what I want. I don't have to worry about dealing with anybody else. And a lot of people, when Iggy was saying that, even though I'm sure they would never say that in front of their significant others, are going, I am so jealous of Iggy. You know? Now, for me, I think the difference for me, and I could be wrong on this, because it does cut both ways. I didn't have a child until Jameson was born uh, when I was 40. And listen, and people go, oh, you know, it's like some people like to make jokes about it, which is fine, which is an odd thing to joke about because you're essentially joking about infertility. But if that's what gets you off, it's like making height jokes. It's like, listen, I can't help the fucking thing. Trust me. I, it's not like I, I'm choosing to be a dwarf. It's just the way the things have, have broken for me. And for whatever reason, we couldn't get pregnant or we did and we had miscarriages. But if that's something that you want to mock, that's fine. And then if I make a fat joke, then I'm fired. It's a very weird system we're, we're navigating here in 2018. But I get the rules. I just don't understand how they came to pass legislation. But I understand that these are the rules. I just don't agree with them. So, yes, by definition, I would be an older parent. But also, I, you know, I think I'm not as 
resentful of uh, being a parent as some people are if they had kids, you know, when they weren't, when it was kind of a surprise. Uh, that's where I feel like you get the guys who are kind of like, yeah, let's go out tonight. Let's, you know, go down here and, you know, hit on so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and pick whichever place, whether it be you're in St. Louis or somewhere else. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. That's my supposition because I got to, I guess, you know, people either really get to, to run good, so to speak, uh, if they're in a spot where they can in either their 30s or 50s or 60s. And it's not like it was a choice. It's not like I go, you know what? I'm going to wait to have a kid until I'm 40. It was not a choice. It's the way that things went. But because we didn't have kids, uh, it allowed us to, you know, to to go, like I said, go to Las Vegas, at, like for two weeks at a time. And, uh, you know, and so, but but hey, I'm going to still be raising kids into my 50s and close to my 60s, maybe even my 60s, because we'd like to have another child. Um, so, you know, I, I, so I had my run good, you know? So a lot of you are like, God, I'm only five years away or 10 years away or whatever. And I can't wait. Or some of you are like, oh my God, I remember when my son or daughter was born and then was just learning to walk. And now we're looking at high schools, you know, or whatever the process is, or, oh my God, you know, he's leaving for college or she's leaving for college. It goes so quickly. And I hear people say that stuff and I never want to be the person to say that. Uh, not because I think it's wrong to say it. It's just like, I feel like then you're coming from a place of you have no idea. And, and then it's, uh, then it, un, from my standpoint, it can unintentionally come off. Condescending is too strong of the word, but it's just like, you know, in the reality, you just, you just don't, you don't. And, and I can sit here and talk about being a parent now, but I'm, you know, I'm one eighteenth of the way through it. So I can sit here and talk ex- expertly. That's even the proper way you would say it. Uh, on being a parent, and then people who have a five-year-old that go, you have no idea what you're in for over the next four years. And I go, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I know this. I absolutely love it, and I couldn't have possibly, when people would say it, I would go, God, I mean, I'm glad that they love being a a parent so much, but my God, I'm flying to Las Vegas, and I'm going to be eating incredible places and getting shit-faced, and hanging out with adult stars, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I got to be honest with you. And, and that's, that's where I was. And people are like, oh, you're so, uh, he's too cool for school. It's just, it's just what I liked. It's what I liked. I loved playing poker. I look back on the fact that I used to sit in the Venetian poker room with the World Series of Poker events for 14 hours at a time. And I'm in awe of that. Because now I would have zero interest in doing it. And it's only a few, I'm only a few years removed. I think I played in the 2015 main event. So it's not that far removed. But now when I walk into my house and I see my son, I could be having the shittiest day in the world. And it's happened plenty of times in his 15 months of existence. And I see him and it's like an elixir. Everything's automatically better. The problems are still there, but it's like a boost of happiness. And I absolutely love it. When, we, when he put him to bed, I like miss him an hour later. That's where I am. But that doesn't mean if you're not there, you're wrong and I'm right or vice versa. And some of you might not want to have kids. or Some of you might not be able to have kids. And I'm certainly sympathetic to that because that's where I was uh, with my wife. And it, it killed us. So, you know, it's one of those things that I've said before. People don't talk about, but it's, it's a, certainly a real part of life. Uh, and that's where I was. So I get it. I really do. Um, it's just a case of what to each their own. That's the thing. I never, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, 
I don't I don't know how people can bust people's balls, especially over circumstances that are outside of their control. And like how some of like some it's sometimes okay to rip people uh, for things that they can't control. But then other times, if you do it, you can immediately lose your job and not be rehirable. I'm fascinated by that. I'd love to dig into that potentially on the next questions from the audience, like why it's okay to rip this. But then if you rip that, then we're, we're going to have to fire you because uh, there's 200 people on uh, Twitter who are saying we need to do that. I just don't understand it. But you know what? That's not to say that somebody can't explain it to me. I'm just saying for, at this moment, I don't understand it. All right. Uh, one more question for questions from the audience. A podcast brought to you by Ryan Kelly, by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, by Mike Judy Presents, by Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. And, uh, and it comes from uh, Tom and Tom W. And he says, Tim, thanks for being great and taking questions from the audience. My question is related to the emailers of the show who I think are genius. Some of these emails are so damn funny, and the fact that some of these guys can send them in every day just blows me away. Timmy Tom Tom, Tunnels 12,000, etc. Have you ever considered doing a podcast format where you interview some of the TMA emailers? If I could hear the process behind a Tunnels 12,000 email from their perspective, I could die a happy man. Thanks. That's from Tom W. Okay, the, the short answer is no, I haven't considered it until I read your email just now. Uh, my initial response is I worry that it would not be good and would destroy, uh, their genius for you. And then the other side of it is if I were to do it, and at this moment, I'm not inclined to do it, even though Tom, I respect your interest in it, uh, that maybe it would be an understanding that if we don't think it's necessarily going to be really good and help the quote unquote hashtag brand of the emailer that we might just shelf it. Um, but I will say this. For my money, uh, at Back After This uh, and at Club Pro Guy, um, uh, along with Autumn Falls, are the three best uh, Twitter followers going right now. And I remember listening to the No Laying Up podcast, and they had Club Pro Guy coming up as a guest. And I thought, oh, shit, this is going to ruin Club Pro Guy because he's... You know, I assumed anyway it was kind of scripted and, you know, he couldn't possibly be because I do believe he actually is a golf pro uh, that comes from people in the golf world. That's not just me going, oh, I think he is, uh, which is why he hides his identity and not like a PGA pro, but a club pro. And uh, and I thought, oh, you know, he's going to he's going to try and be amusing and go back and forth in a 30 minute interview with these guys and he's going to be exposed. And I listened to it with trepidation, and then I listened to it, and I listened to it while working out, actually, kind of thinking it wouldn't be that great. And then I'm working out, and then it was like a risky workout because I'm laughing my ass off while working out, and so shit's falling everywhere, and I'm falling everywhere, and it was that good. I'm like, okay, shows what I know, once again, uh, he's just that good, and, you know. So I know who Tunnels 12,000 is, um, and Tunnels 12,000 is legitimately... Uh, one of just like the, like the best people, which I know might sound odd. Um, now, Doug, I believe, uh, cast uh, tunnels away because of the vile prose he writes in. But uh, is as far as the person goes, first off, I'm pro-vile. Uh, just a great, 
just a great guy. I mean, and that like has like everything going for him from my standpoint. Um, so, uh, I don't know how tunnels would feel about that. I know tunnels is super entertaining, so I don't know. Maybe it would be good. Um, I don't know. Uh, and then, uh, Timmy Tom, Tom has called into the Ryan Kelly morning after, uh, I think one time has texted in a handful of times, but mostly as an emailer. And I don't know, maybe it would be, it would be incredibly entertaining. From my standpoint, you're the first person, Tom W., to bring it up. And so I don't necessarily know if there's a big market for it. And then I know a bunch of people say, no, now that you bring it up, I really want to hear that. I just don't, I don't know. And here's the, here's the other thing, by the way. Uh, while it kind of surprises me, there are a number of people, this has been brought to my attention recently, there are a number of people who listen to this, the Tim McKernan Show podcast, who don't even really know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Ryan Kelly morning after. I always just assumed, honestly, that if you're listening to the Tim McKernan Show, you also listen to the Ryan Kelly morning after. And I recently, uh, with I think it was the Wesley Bell interview, somebody texted me and said, God, that interview was incredible. I even had a friend of mine who lives, I think it was in Chicago, who loved that interview. And I go, really? I said, how do you even find out about it? He goes, I don't know. The word's gotten around about the interviews. And I said, hey, I don't even know how much I talked about that on the show. And he goes, oh, he doesn't even know about the morning after. He's just he's just a listener to the podcast. Like, oh, great. So the reason I say that is because for those who don't know what the, the Ryan Kelly morning after is, it's like, oh, we're talking inside baseball on the Ryan Kelly morning after. And while the two are in capacity related, it's obviously a different style of show, you know. Um, so I don't know. It's not to say no. It's just I'm not sure it would be a great use of the word uh, yes. All right. We got a cardinal question here and then might wrap it up. Uh, I think this was a better question before hockey season started and before the Cardinals added Goldschmidt, but I'll still ask anyway, please complete this sentence. The next St. Louis area team to win a championship is fill in the blank within the St. Louis area. I'm including Missouri and the Illini. I always agree with that, by the way. I know the obvious answer to the question is St. Gabriel's. I agree with that but I've geared this question to pro and college teams. One addendum for the college teams to make it more realistic. I'll define championship is BCS playoff for football and final four for basketball. Okay. Uh, so we'll call it the CFP since the BCS is resting in peace and final four. And I'm with you. I like the question. I think it's a great question. The answer is the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's that. Now you're right. Uh, that the question would have probably had a different answer and it might've been a better question, but it's not your fault before the hockey season. Cause I think at that time, it would people would have said the Blues, um, even though the Stanley Cup playoffs. I just feel like it's a variance factory. You know, I mean, you can have an incredible regular season and and lose in the first round. We've seen that. We saw that here in 2000, and you can have a shitty regular season and win the Cup. And we saw that in 2012 with the Kings. I think the Oilers in 2006 maybe went to the Stanley Cup final as an eight seed. It's just, it's happened. And it's one of the reasons why I can't get emotionally invested unless something huge is happening in a regular season. And in the case of blues this year, unfortunately at this moment, something huge is happening and they're just not playing very well. I still think, and listen, it's not because I think it could, you know what? I'm going to look here. I'm going to, while we're on the air, this is like the Mike Francis. I'm just going to text bill here. Give me a minute and see if I can find the numbers. But just because I would assume the numbers are astronomical and I think the talents there and because, again, it's because the numbers are astronomical. I think there's value in throwing whatever number it is that you're, you'd be comfortable pissing away on betting the Blues to win the Stanley Cup. Um, 
And then somebody will frame this and go, did you hear Tim McKernan? He says the Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just because I assume that it's like so astronomical at this point that it would be great value. Let me see what it would pay you. Oh, my God, it's only plus 4,500. I don't think that's a good use of 100 bucks. I was thinking it might be like plus 20,000. What are the most distant? So the Kings, Panthers, Red Wings, and Senators are all plus 10,000. The Canucks, Flyers, plus 7,000. The Devils and Coyotes, plus 6,000. The Blackhawks and Rangers, plus 5,000. And then you get to the Blues and Hurricanes at plus 4,500. So the Blues have one of the worst records in the NHL, and yet they still are uh, kind of lower third uh, when it comes to their odds. So I can't advocate that. I thought I was going to have a real sharp play there and uh, look like a wizard when this thing turns around and get ahead of the market because I feel like inevitably it's going to turn around. There's nothing I know differently in my life, which would likely mean when I'm speaking to anybody listening to this thing, uh, than the Blues being competitive. And with when when there, when there were expectations. So if you want to go back to the 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 you know the mess that was about a decade ago, but there weren't expectations. There was an understanding of what had happened. Um, but there were expectations here. And I saw it was a great soundbite with Chris Butler uh, yesterday. Should have played this on the radio show. That was my miss. Where he talked about, you know, as a St. Louisan, this was one of the first times where this team, you know, growing up here, felt like it really had legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations. Now, I personally would disagree with that, but, you know, he plays the game. Maybe he looked at other teams that we thought had Stanley Cup aspirations and go, no, this, that group, they might be good, but they won't be Stanley Cup worthy. Um, and he goes, and so maybe that really messed with some people. And the truth is, is we're still in this thing. It's just, you know, it looks really, really bad right now. So that's why I'm like, you know what, I'll throw some money on that. And if they hit, they hit, but plus 4,500, I don't think is, I mean, I guess theoretically, sure. Of course I throw a hundred bucks on it and they win and it's plus 4,500. It would be lovely. But, uh, I, th- I really thought it'd be like plus, I don't know, something astronomical. So fuck me on that. But, uh, you know, so I, for, I, I would imagine most people would say the Cardinals. I think there's some people who are so anti, like, just have to continue to wave the flag that the, the team won't spend money, and so they can't acknowledge that, um, especially now after the Goldschmidt thing. It makes it tougher. And then the other thing is, who's, who's second? Like, would it be the Blues? I don't think even people who think Missouri, which I would fall into the category, uh, is, is actually closer to winning a championship than I think the majority of people think. Uh, even for that to happen. I mean, that means they have to win the SEC, they have to win a college football playoff semifinal, and then they have to beat the second or third or fourth best team in the country in the final a week later. I mean, you know, that'd be great. But, you know, I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, I and, and, you know, one of the sad things is, I just, when it comes to college basketball, I just, I, it's just so different for me now. And I don't know how other people feel about it. It's just so different for me now than, God, I don't even know when. 2009, so almost 10 years ago, I went out to the Missouri-Memphis game. God, that's going to be 10 years and three months. Holy shit. Uh, In Glendale, Arizona, Marcus Denman from three-quarters court. Uh, And then also uh, they lost to UConn in the uh, Elite Eight. And that was incredible. That was a damn good team, and I wasn't into that team earlier in the year. And it's just, I don't know what the deal is. I'm just not there anymore. Norfolk State was obviously a two seed. 
but it just does. I just am not as emotionally invested. Um, and some people say that's because the teams haven't been good. And yeah, you might be able to say that, but you know, 2009 to 2012 were, and I loved it, but it wasn't like when I can like rattle off players from the eighties and nineties teams and even the early two thousands teams. And that's just not where I am right now. And I don't know what that's about, but, um, so I, I don't feel like I can speak on it, you know? So anyway, the answer is the Cardinals. I like the question. I think that the one that would be more interesting is actually who is second most likely. Um, and so, you know, for as bad as it looks right now for the blues, I just don't know. The thing about the blues is I don't know if they're, they have the equity in the marketplace to ride out a storm as much as say the Cardinals would be able to. I mean, look at the Cardinals. They won 88 games and you have part of the market just batshit about how the team is just settling. I mean, it's just tell you, it's, it's an absolute disconnect. I don't think it's a lot of the TMA audience, but it's certainly a healthy percentage of the fan base. That makes sense. Like of the, Let's say there are, well, we know TMA listeners, 14. So of the 14 TMA listeners, how many actually are sitting there going build DeWitt and calling him DeWallet is hoarding money and doesn't care about winning? Um, you know, like one or two maybe. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the fan base as a whole, I would say that number is in the 15 to 20% range. And again, these are arbitrary statistics. But I put out a poll just this morning. Let's see where the numbers are now. Uh, do you believe the Cardinals are in on trying to sign Bryce Harper? And we currently have 2,625 votes and 71% of the voters said no. And both me and Dan McLaughlin are of the opinion that they are. They're just handling it in a different way. Why? Because there is no upside to saying, yes, we are in on him. And then when they don't get him go, oh shit. So I eh, listen, it's not like I know that it's just, that's my, that's my personal opinion. So, um, Either way, the answer to the question, the Cardinals, I like the, I like the question, but I understand where you're coming from because you just, you were talking four days after they signed Paul Goldschmidt or traded for Paul Goldschmidt. So the world has changed. Uh, there it is. Another edition of questions from the audience in the book. Always enjoy talking with the audience. Always enjoy the questions, sending your questions. I mean, hell we had a sex question. They're welcome. Uh, we talk religion, we talk politics. Why not talk sex as well? And now we, now we can get everything that's taboo and you're not supposed to talk about, except this is my own little world. And in our own little world, we can talk about what we want to talk about. But like I said, sometimes I can't. I got to go, eh, I'd like to talk about it, but I probably can't talk about it. Uh, you can email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com. You can post on the TMA fan page. And if you just want your privacy in there, just email me, tmckernan at insidestl.com. Uh, Ryan Kelly, Mark Hanna, the uh, gentleman with Evergreen Wealth Strategies, who I recommend so passionately to our audience. Uh, especially at this time of year, people are trying to wrap up, getting their finances organized. I'm telling you, not only can he put you on the right path, but he can organize for you. And that's half the battle. Woo. Now I'm going to point, his number is 314-889-0503. You go to his website, evergreenstl.com. I'm at a point where I have I'm, I'm Johnny Spreadsheet, whether it be with DraftKings or with my, uh, my uh, whatever, I don't even know what the right term would be because you got to say it in a polite way. Otherwise, you can come off the right, the wrong way, whatever. Money, that everything's in spreadsheets, then check it. And, and a couple of years ago, I wasn't even doing that, which is just embarrassing. You know, it's just embarrassing. Mark Hanna was who I needed 20 years ago. Uh, 314-889-0503, even two years ago. Or go to his website, evergreenstl.com. Really a good guy. I had a lot of people now say that. I've given him a call, and they're so happy they did. 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. It's going to do it for another edition of Questions from the Audience. Thank you for listening. Send your questions in. Don't forget, 
the Hot Stove Show with me and Dan McLaughlin right here on the Tim McKernan Show podcast and Scoops with Danny Mac, and then also Pick 6. You do not want to miss this because the weatherman has picked 75% of the games right for the last eight weeks, so that's coming up as well. Subscribe to the Tim McKernan Show. Spread the word. we got a good thing going here. Thank you to our sponsors to make it possible. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.